0: It's the Alexandra and Friends podcast, and we're covering the everyday issues of life, health, and wealth. And as always, we have a great panel of experts
1: with us. Here is your host, Alexandra Fincher.
2: You're listening to Alexandra and Friends 660 The Answer. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We need your attendance every Saturday night, 10 p.m. Go to our Facebook, hit like, and uh, give us some ideas of what you'd like to listen to. Uh, My guests today are... My co-hosts are Courtney Ooh. and V, and uh, V looks beautiful today. By the way, Thank she's you. she does yeah, look I amazing. A, I have a beautiful day today. V, you're so. going to tell us a little bit about your wonderful guest that we have today. Yes, yeah, so or your competitor, right? My competitor. Oh yes. my I love, I love that. You like competition? Oh, I love. Yeah, it. I, I love competition. Yes, I, I'm, I'm a um, if you know, I even compete at home. I know with myself. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> I have to compete. So, how late am I going to stay? Well, if it was me, I'd stay ten. Ah, but I'm going to be two o'clock in the morning.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Two, three, four, five. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. We know
3: the email is coming at three a.m. But anyway, so tonight we have Tom Zanovich. Tom is doing financial planning and being committed with helping his clients for over twenty years. Uh, He has three kids: a seventeen-year-old that it's. He's attending Frisco, High school, Frisco SD, and he's going to be a doctor. Ooh. So, yeah, he's waiting to listen for Michigan School. Michigan yes. He also has a boy and a girl, twins, that are 13. Can you imagine twins, a 13-year-old? Two at once. I mean, it's crazy. Seventh great. Yeah. And Tom, thank you so much. He's also the CEO of Frisco Financial Group. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you.
2: Thank,
1: thank you. you.
3: Glad to have you. So, Tom, tell us a little bit about what you do.
1: Yeah, So um, I've been in the financial planning industry for over 20 years since I got out of school with a finance degree, uh, went to SMU. And um, I'd grown up. I, my father had passed away at a pretty young age, and I saw the impact of not really having a, a true financial plan in place. And it was my mother and I. So it always stuck in the back of my head when I was going through school. Got introduced to financial planning through a friend. Um, and been passionate about it ever since, Uh, being able to make a difference in people's lives. I think financial planning, the term or financial advisor is a very loosely used term. Um, You know, it's a very transactional business sometimes versus being very consultative. Mm -hmm. So I I have a passion and belief in helping people from that standpoint, taking a a macro approach to planning. Uh, I got in leadership um, many years ago. I've been doing that ever since and have had my own agency uh, for the last three or four years uh, up in Frisco. Uh, so we're always growing our firm. We we coach, train, and mentor the advisors. Uh, but I still run a financial planning practice. I still work with my clients that I've had for many, many years uh, and obviously still get referred to clients. Uh, because I think especially even with what's happened in the last year, people have sort of taken a step back and said, you know, I need to reexamine where I am and, and what we're doing.
3: And Tom, we've been talking over three years because, it's not because we are in the opposite sides of the table with different companies that we don't share good practices and good ideas and you know we understand a little bit about the way that the good professionals out there are doing you know and one thing that always catch my attention is a phrase that you always say how are we gonna be your life if something happened to you like four five ten minutes ago sure. so explain to us a little bit more about that and How is that approach and why you believe that that's so important today in America?
1: Absolutely. So I think, again, people are busy in life. Um, I think when they think about financial planning, uh, it can be they check a box, right? I have my 401k at work. Mm -hmm. I have some group benefits. I have some life insurance through work. I have my property casualty insurance. But they have really never looked at how it all fits together. And so what I always ask a client is, if we had to implement your plan yesterday, to do all the things you thought it was going to do. And in 20 years, no matter where anyone is on that income spectrum, they can't answer it. So to me, that means they don't have an advisor. They have someone that has sold them something, right? Maybe done a really good job on their rollover, maybe done a really good job selling them some insurance, but no one's ever organized that financial junk drawer. And so that question there gets people thinking. And I tell them, look, my job as an advisor is to show you what your plan would have done. Your job as a client is to tell me how you want to solve it right? If it's not important to you, I can't make it important, but I would think most people would want to make sure that they have a sound financial plan because they've taken some actions, but are they the right actions and is it going to do what they thought it was going to do?
2: Yeah, that's great. So do you, uh, do you deal with disability?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, when we're doing a macro approach to planning, there's two sides to it, right? There's the growth side, which everyone's excited about because they want to save money. They want to be in the markets but there's also the, the protection side, right? And I always tell people, you know, before we can talk about the growth side, we got to make sure we have you protected properly because it's like building a house in Texas. You put a foundation down before you put the framing. And so we've got to address it, right? It's not an exciting conversation, but it is a crucial conversation. So when it comes to, to disability insurance and income prote- income protection, I think people have a very... Uh, they have a very large misconception of what a disability is. And it doesn't mean that you're in a catastrophic state. Um, you know, you could be a dentist and get arthritis in your, in your hands and you're considered mm-hmm. disabled because you're unable to perform the active duties of your career. But the other big part is, is people don't understand. They're like, well, you know, even if something happens, cancer is something, right? We see that quite a bit with clients, um, and they're like, well, even if I have to, you know, go two or three years, I can live off my savings. You know, we can reduce our standard of living. The challenge is they don't understand the impact that's going to have on them 20 years out when they get to retirement because those two or three years, they weren't savings. Those two or three years, that money was coming out of the markets versus staying in the markets. They also don't understand that a lot of a lot of clients get bonuses, right? A big part of their income is bonus and bonuses, of the time are not covered through a company disability plan. So it's crucial to subsidize it. It's crucial to fill in that gap, but it's even more crucial to understand the impact, right? So once they understand the impact, then we can have a discussion on how to address it. Um, And 90% of disabilities are caused from from illnesses, not an injury. And that's what, you know, again, clients don't think of it that way, right? And a challenge in our industry is, we don't do needs-based planning. It's not, I don't know who's going to need it. I'm going to show everyone. Again, we have to make sure they understand it because if something happens, it's going to devastate their financial life. Um, and then all the other plans we're doing, saving for college or investments or asset management, all that's going to be gone because we're going to have to liquidate those dollars.
2: Are you finding right now with the COVID situation, how, how do you see the um, people investing in disability or, or any? Part of insurance, life insurance, yeah. or any of the um, programs, are you seeing a difference in in people participating?
1: Absolutely, because I think COVID sort of had a, a reality check to people that mm-hmm. they're not invincible; that life can throw you a curveball. Mm-hmm. So they've at least taken the the time to reevaluate. Right um, when when it comes to life insurance again, people are grossly underinsured because they've never thought about what we call their wealth building potential. So you know, you could be 35 years old, you could be making hundred or 150 or 500,000, but everyone sort of looks at their income in a vacuum, right? They think of it as, Oh, I only make this much money. And then it's out the door, right? It's kids, sports, mm-hmm. it's mortgages, mm-hmm. it's lifestyle. They never take a look at, okay, over the next 20 years or 30 years, how much wealth is coming through their hands. And, you know, someone making 150,000 over the next 30 years, I mean, it could be with the increase of three or 4% a year, you're looking at eight, nine, 10 million dollars. They're looking at it as, well, you know what? I just need a million dollars of insurance and like, that'll pay my mortgage and my debts, but they never think about how is the surviving spouse going to maintain a standard of living. Mm-hmm. right? And so in the 20 years I've sat down with clients and a lot of them have insurance, they've never been explained to what's called human life value, meaning how much life insurance can you actually qualify for? And if someone says I have too much life insurance, I tell them it's not possible. Because no insurance company is going to over you, okay? But there are limits, and so you know if I'm meeting with a 35 year old and they're making two hundred thousand dollars, I know in my head that any insurance company will offer them 30 times their earnings, which is six million dollars. Now, no one's ever shown them that because that to them it seems like a very large number. But when you help them understand how much wealth they're making, then they can sort of wrap their hands around it. Or if someone's in their 40s, they can get 20 times their earnings. So it's not really about how much do you need. It's My job is to show you how much you can qualify for your job as my clients to tell me how much you want for you and your family so that we maintain the standard of living where you are. And really that's what clients need to see. Clients again, a lot of times they buy a product, right? Or someone's come and tell them how great something is. At least they have something. But again, is it going to do what you thought it was going to do? And if it's not, then we need to address it.
2: You know, I'm looking, I'm listening to you and I'm listening to Courtney. This is what Courtney was talking about um, last Saturday night was the people look, they don't look at the value, they look at what they're spending. Is that, Courtney, what you you were talking about a little bit? For sure. I think it's, I think
0: all of us in our industry, we're like worst case scenario people, right? That's what we prepare for. That's what we uh, advise our clients for. And I, like you said, you can never be too, too insured, right? You can, you can, (laughs) it's so funny, but You know, it's something where I was having a conversation this morning with a potential client and trying to explain to them that the the value of being properly insured is irreplaceable, right? And so I think seeing everything that had hit with COVID, one thing that has I've battled with my husband is maybe comments like, It's not my job to make you rich, right? How do you how do you have a conversation with somebody, especially your spouse? that thinks that that can't get past that point of the value of the standard of living. And that's something where my husband has said it because we've had this conversation and gone fisticuffs over it, I swear. But I, I see his point of view, but what's something that I could help my clients and help my husband understand? How do you get through to somebody with that mindset?
1: Right, absolutely. So when we go through the planning, do what's called our living balance sheet, what we're doing is we're, we've talked to the clients, right? What are your goals? What are your objectives? Now, this is just on the protection plane inside. And usually people talk about, well, I want to be able to make sure my children can still go to college. You know, I want to make sure my debts are paid. And, you know, we have their assets, their savings and everything they're doing. We say, okay, well, when you go through this and you've got your fixed expenses, and then there's a line that says lifestyle, what's left for lifestyle. So let's say that's $7,000 a month is left over. Well, that's $7,000 a month. It's what you're paying your utilities, your your gas, going to dinner, groceries, and all those things. So when we implement their current strategy, and let's say whatever amount of life insurance they have, we implement it's okay. Well again, we wanted to take care of these debts, these goals. Now you go from having seven thousand dollars a month to two thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So now the surviving spouse, let's say it's it's you mm-hmm. and you you got a $5,000 a month shortfall. Right. You're still working. Now, right. this is including your income, mm-hmm. right? But if you have children, there may be additional costs or care. Um, maybe you need help around the house. They're still going to be in sports. They still want to do vacations. So the, the thing is, is okay, well, if we're used to having $7,000 a month to, to run our, mm-hmm. our family, that's the lifestyle we got to maintain. Now, is that putting you in some fantasy world? Absolutely not. So we have to know how much additional insurance do we need Saying generating 3% so that you're keeping that standard of living. So, again, because people are like, well, if I'm not here, I don't want him or her to live some
0: lavish you know, lifestyle. Right.
1: But you're not. You're right. maintaining. Right. Again, because, again, if you're both working and let's say you're making hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred thousand, 200,000, well, over the next 20 or 30 years, you're making eight or nine million dollars. Mm-hmm. So, the death benefit is just coming so that you can maintain your standard of living. And that's what people don't understand. They look at it as, well, if I put a million dollars in your lap today, it seems like a lot of money. But it's not when you take it out over the next 15, 20, 25 years because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know right. if the other spouse is ever going to get remarried. We, mm-hmm. we, And plus, I always tell my clients, like, we don't want a spouse to have to make a decision to marry someone based off financial reasoning, right. especially when you have children involved. It's just not that easy. So let's have a, an adult conversation around it, and let's look at the numbers, and let's take care of it.
2: You're listening to Alexander and Friends 660, The Answer. We are here with Courtney and V and an amazing gentleman who is our guest, Tom Sanovich. Is that correct, Mr. Tom? Yes. And we are talking about disability insurance and life insurance and all the good stuff. So please like our Facebook, Alexander
0: and Friends 660. You can check out our podcast links. You can also shoot us an email, Alexanderandfriends660
2: at gmail.com. So Tom, continue talking to us a little bit because V doesn't give us all this advice. So we are expecting all this advice from you. Well today. I want
3: him get in trouble with compliance, not me. <laughs> so But you are listening, you, you are see? liking. You guys know where you find me. You see <laughs> for <we're> friends how <laughs> friends are. <laughs> under the, under the, the, the bus. Under the bus. <laughs> yes. Well when you sign for a friendship with me, you know that trouble is coming. I love your shoes. You
0: love my shoes. Yeah, thank you. I gotta put She that. was talking to me, right? No, I love her shoes. Not oh, mine, not
1: yours. Your
2: red pumps versus yeah, yes, my sneakers. Your, yes, I got so, all dolled up today. So on this radio show, you're going to hear about everything. So trust me. That's why you listen to us.
1: Yes,
3: and that's why people love us. Because we just become just life. you,
2: us. Yes.
3: So, Courtney, uh, during the break, you were talking about your mom's situation. Gigi, we love you. And long-term care and how to afford
0: long-term care. So what was your question? Right. So we've talked about Gigi a few times and she's just in bad health. She's, she's got nine lives. I think she's probably got about four left. And she's talking uh, about her mother, my mother, God, God love Not her, her. But kitty cat. she's got um, COPD and a defibrillator and a pig valve. And she can't walk from here to here without, you know, taking out the inhaler. She's on oxygen, but she just keeps trucking along and thank God for Gigi that years ago she took out a long-term care plan. Right. What is that? What am I supposed to do with that? What, what happens when we get to the point where she's physically unable to care for herself? Right.
1: So, you know, again, when you're looking at planning, long-term care is something that has to be part of that plan. Um, one, because it's going to protect your assets um, that people worked so hard for um, over their lifetime. However, long-term care is a very interesting product. Um, for many reasons is when it, when I started about 20 years ago, it was something that a lot of people were interested in. Um, it was sort of just coming out, talking to a lot of people about it. There were a few challenges though. And what the biggest thing was is insurance companies mispriced it. And many of these carriers, you know, mispriced the product and it's not like life insurance where like you take like a term life insurance or, um, where the premiums guaranteed, right. And they can't come and raise your rates. With long-term care insurance, it was written to where it was guaranteed renewable, which means rates can change. So long-term care is very much like disability insurance. Once someone gets disability insurance, they very rarely ever let it go because we all know we're going to pass away at some point. Mm -hmm. We just don't know when, but we're very, we're much more likely to lose the ability to earn an income during our working life. And people see that and experience it. So disability is kept. Well, insurance companies mispriced long-term care thinking people would drop it, right? They didn't. They were keeping it. And so more and more people were filing claims. So now you may have bought it in your early to mid 50s. You're paying the premium every year. You start to get to your mid 70s. And guess what? Here comes the insurance company and they've raised your rates 40%. And you may not be able to afford that anymore, right? Because you may be on a fixed budget or you just can't do it. So you drop it. People are starting to get rid of it when they're going to start to need it in the next few years. So when we look at long-term care insurance, you want to look at it as sort of a, you know, not to fully fund it a lot of times, because again, it's, a, it's it's, not, it can be pricey. We want to look at it as to help soften the blow to where people are not depleting all their assets. Because legacy is important to people, right? Like mm-hmm. people want to leave things to the next generation. So our goal is to show them how we can protect it and, and how we can utilize that. But again, long-term care, my mother's 84 years old. She still drives. She still gets around. She's still very active. But- that's not to say I can't notice that she's slowed down, Mm -hmm. but in order to qualify for long-term care, you have to have what they call a qualifying event. And that means you have to have what's called two of the six activities that daily live in, right? Like you can't get around, can't dress yourself, things like that. And that's what will trigger, um, the, the benefit
0: from that standpoint. And then what Um, about disability and social security and Medicaid and Medicare? Talk to us about what all that is. Right.
1: So when, if, if people bring up, well, I have Social Security disability, i it's not even a factor because my father like, was sick my whole life growing up. He was on uh, disability, but that disability was my father's disability was he had a tracheotomy. He could barely get around. He couldn't work. He couldn't do anything, right? So that was government disability. Many, many disabilities, so if you're trying to go through Social Security, are going to get declined and they're going to take mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the payout's going to be very, very minimal. Mm -hmm. So again, that's more of a catastrophic, like if you're, if you're qualifying for social security disability, it's because they don't ever expect you to get back to work or to a very limited amount, or they expect you to pass away. So those are two different things. Just like having disability insurance through work versus having it through an individual insurance company, the contractual language is completely different. And that's what's so crucial. Um, You have to look at, fill in that gap. You have to look at having an individual policy that's going to have strong language in it that's going to protect you because you may qualify for a disability through an individual insurance carrier, but social security may decline because Mm -hmm. it's not a total, total disability.
3: Well, and this is why it's important for you to have an agent, someone that's going to read the small letters, someone that's going to explain to you. So again, don't buy this kind of policy. By a 800 number or online, because I believe that Tom, like me, you have several stories of people call us and say, hey, I bought this policy a few years ago from a guy that's not even doing this anymore, right. because that was his part-time job. Yeah. And now I'm trying to feel a claim and I don't know what to do. And then when you got the policy, you see the small letters, and I'm so sorry, right. you disqualified because when they did this application that was guaranteed, uh, you didn't disclose something, well, but they never asked, And right. we see the mess right. happening and we see the bad stuff happening. Yeah. So yeah. make sure ah. to to hire and to trust your advisor.
2: So I'd like to hear a little bit more about uh, your Medicare and Medicaid, how how that works. I uh, think Courtney asked you that question. How does that Yeah,
0: how does that impact? Like impact. my mother, right. she's retired from a state, the state of mass so she gets a pension mm-hmm. she has insurance which i guess would serve as her supplement mm-hmm. after medicare at this point because of her age right so how does all of that impact i guess moving forward or can you have disability through the government and then have a separate plan i mean can you double dip i mean how does that work i don't I don't understand.
1: As far as disability.
0: Just in general, like, I mean, I guess, Alexander, for your, your husband's situation, I mean, he had
2: something that was considered catastrophic, right? And he, he does, he does. He's in he's disability, and also we have insurance on the side. But the reason I'm, I'm asking this question, I see more and more people, and actually, while we were at the hospital this week, more people giving their family their money and going into the Medicaid care. Right. Because of the amount, I want to tell you, we just ordered one medicine it was $1,000, 1000 yeah. And this medicine is not paid. You have to pay for it because of the, uh, it's for MRSA. And you get, so you think about this, we have the insurance, we have the money, but what happens to somebody that, that, that was $1,000.
3: But you need to to think when you say people hide the money to. No, to, no, no, we're not. N- not hide, but uh, and this is a misconception that people have. I had a lady in my office a few months back and she was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give all my money away to my childrens and grandchildren so I can qualify for uh, Medicare. And I was like, the whole look back thing, right? But But they look back.
1: There's a five-year look back. There's a five-year look back.
3: So it's not that easy. Right. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: So, but if you look at, okay, we want to plan for our clients, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the people we work with have the ability to plan. So let's say you're married and you and your spouse are growing old together. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're going to depend on Medicaid, they might put you in a nursing home in Lubbock and they might put you in a nursing home in Brownsville because you have no say in where you're going. And why, if you can plan and protect and strategize with it, why would you ever want to depend on doing that? Right. So Mm -hmm. you give up a lot of your choices, right? You give up a lot of your rights. Now Medicaid is great. My aunt, you know, she's in a Catholic charities, you know, nursing home, right? Right. She didn't have much. That's where she is. My mother got her in there down in Houston. They take good care of her, but it's not like the other places, Mm -hmm. you know, that I've seen family members that are in private nursing home or assisted living. It's it's night and day, right? But that's where Medicaid can help is when people Mm -hmm. don't have the finances, right? That they're on, they don't have the money. That's where that comes in. I don't ever encourage someone to do it that way, especially if they have the ability to prevent it, right? So, and again, you have the five-year look back um, that a lot of people don't realize. So if you're going to transfer, you probably should transfer, you know, well <laughs> before you're in your 70s or 80s, um, when you may be having a, a qualifying event to need assisted living, because then they're going to look back on that.
3: Tom, so, uh, one of the things that uh, catch my attention when I moved to America, uh, and our listeners know about that, when we moved here, the first thing that I did was to find a job in, retailer, in retail because I want to learn English because my English is bad today. It was even worse back then. And was crazy when I see people with trying to pay like a $10 shirt at Macy's with seven different credit cards. Right. Put one here, $1 here. No, try this card. Try this card. So how you see that in America today? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think financial literacy is a a big challenge, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, I think it should be taught in schools, um, because not all parents are in finance like we are. Um, I teach it to my children, Mm -hmm. um, and help them understand. And my son is saving and doing those things and he understands the value of a dollar and budgeting, um, Maybe a little too much because he never wants to spend his money, right? Does Um, he need an agent? Right. (laughs) I got him covered. I got him covered. So far, I do. I'll let you know. Has he
2: had to buy a house? Right. Um,
1: So, not yet. He's only 17. So, um, But I I think the challenge is they don't don't learn how money works, right? But there's adults that don't know how money works either.
2: That is correct. Um,
1: You know, I sit down with very intelligent people that, you know, I'm not saying they don't understand how to budget, but they don't understand how money works, right? They always... Think about it, It's about how much do I have? And I always say it's not about how much money you have. It's about how you can be able to use it and spend it to live off of it. So there's just a lot of misconception, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of noise out there every time you turn the TV on on any business channel. Um, at the end of the day, when we're talking about planning, we talk to clients you know, we talk about financial myths. You know, clients are highly disorganized, and not because they're not intelligent, it's because they're busy in life. Mm-hmm. Um, clients, they want to focus on, rate of return versus their savings rate, right? Like I don't want to talk about rate of return. If I, if I knew what was going to happen, I wouldn't be working today. Right. You know, they don't prioritize their goals and you know, they, they guess the need, right? Like, you know, here's how much I think I'm going to need when I retire and they put some arbitrary rate of return to it and off they go. And it's way too aggressive. So clients need to be taught how the money works, how to save. We talk about becoming a world-class saver. We're telling people, you need to save 15 to 20 percent of your income. And when I tell them that, you can see them do the math in their heads, are like, oh, you know, like, oh, well, I make this. And, I, and, you know, and they're saving 6 percent. Right. Mm-hmm. And no I'm like, more Starbucks. Right. And so, you know, it's like it's not going to happen overnight. But you have to understand we've got to increase your savings rate. It's not about increasing your risk.
0: You're listening to Alexander and Friends on 660 AM. Our guest is Tom Zanovich. We're talking about protection planning and financial literacy. You can check us out on our Facebook. We're going to post his information there. It's Frisco Financial Group. Financial
2: Group. You can like our page, Alexander and Friends 660. So Courtney is... Uh... Really relaxed today, so we were just uh, <laughs> kind of mentioning that V is looking beautiful. She's all ready for a big visit of. Why don't some you clients. tell me? I look beautiful. Well, you look because o- you don't. You look okay today. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a wonderful guest, Tom Sinovich. With Frisco Financial Group, and he's probably wondering why in the world did he ever agree to come. I to think show. every guest
0: says that about <laughs> us. So like but, okay, <laughs>
2: at the same time, we want to say thank you to yes. our wonderful producer Michael Clark, who is just putting up with us, and I can tell by his eyes, he's going. Mm, mm. So I know Courtney, how long? But- what do you think about uh, Mr. Uh, Tom here telling us all the exciting things that you want to know about your mother?
0: Well, the the fact that V is friends with with Tom says a lot because I feel like V is very much a professional and knows what she's talking about and so if she can vouch for somebody then that's that's good um but I think when we were wrapping up the last segment the whole part about financial literacy and and you know where we live is such a keeping up with the Jones Mm -hmm. area and and I just you know from me seeing uh the property and casualty side you know and I'm quoting out these $500,000, $600,000, $700,000 $500,000, $700,000 homes mm-hmm. and then we're struggling to maybe make that monthly payment for the insurance and I'm having to say, hey, listen, that 2% deductible is going to cost you $10,000. We get a lot of hail here. That's mm-hmm. probably not the best idea. It's It's only going to be $30 more a month to switch it. And having those conversations where people are telling me they can't afford it, that makes me nervous. Yeah,
3: well, it's not about how much you make. It's about how much money you keep. And people don't understand that. But Let's go back. How you think that a family, how do you think that a generation will be interested about savings and everything when you have a whole financial reward system in America that if you own money to someone... If you own money? If you own money to someone, you have a good credit. Like, in my country, it's the opposite. What do you mean? If you have an open account, if right. you have a credit you card, have... you have a good credit.
0: Right. So... Makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. Well, and that's the thing. What, you know, I just, I have my credit card, and for my older kids, when they were younger, and now for my 14 year old, she's added as an authorized user on my account. So we can roll that into potentially a credit card when she turns 18 Mm -hmm. for her own. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think uh, as long as they have financial discipline and the parents making sure that they're not running up debt.
0: She doesn't um, have the card, it's in the lockbox, but she's on there. Does that. From my understanding, that's always, my kids, when they turned 18, they all purchased their own cars yeah. in their name. They all had credit cards. They all managed their own right. stuff. Like, that's important that's to me. That's very important because
1: that's building, that's building future credit and it's building yeah. responsibility for them to pay. It's just a lot of times people would go open a credit card not really understand right a- APR and finance oh, charges. Sure. And, you know, then they're just. Paying the minimum sum before they know if they've maxed out a. Oh yeah, no, we hard. don't.
0: We don't use it, but she's. You know, it's something where budgeting has always been a big part in our house, and I feel like I do a okay job living well below our means because I have a lot of kids, I have a blended family, yeah. and you, you had mentioned leaving a legacy. I don't want to make anybody, uh, you know, rich by any means, right. but I want to make sure that my kids and my grandkids know that mom and Coco took care of them, Absolutely. and I want my husband to be taken care of and not have to have that financial burden. But not everybody
2: thinks that way, you know? Absolutely. Well, if we're talking about this, what do you see on the young people of today? Mm -hmm. What is generation... A, B, C, D. What are they? What are they? Millennials? No. No. Gen Xers? We are What am I? Apparently, I we know. are millennials. My, Gen Z.
1: My kids call me boomers. So yeah. I
2: boomer. <laughs> I hate but that. Too. <laughs> but what do you see Our young, are young uh, people today? Are they saving money? Are they buying ta- insurance? Well I, I, I,
1: well, I think, again, it depends on who you're talking to. I have some young advisors that you know are 24, 25 years old. So there are wow. clienteles around that, 25, 26 years old. And some of them get it. And some of them don't, mm-hmm. right? I think a big part of it is everyone wants to come in and talk about growth, right? That's all everyone wants to talk about, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we're all about it too. Um, so it's very hard a lot of times for someone that's younger to understand the inherited risks that life can happen, right? I don't sell property casualty insurance, but I review it in depth because you know what? When I'm sitting there and someone's making $150,000, dollars $350,000 and they have no umbrella coverage, and they have a $100,000 liability. I'm like, what happens when you rear-end a car on the toll road and they sue you for half a million dollars? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, Well, I, they don't even know what they have. They don't right? understand they, that. They have no idea. I'm like...
0: The insurance is going to pay for it. Well, well they're
1: going to pay $100,000. Yeah, and then they're they coming to your balance sheet. Yeah, And I'm like, you know, my, my umbrella coverage went up $18 when I put my 16-year-old mm-hmm. son. Well, it's not optional. Like, I'm going to keep them, mm-hmm. right? Because my son's responsible, but accidents can happen. And then you're mm-hmm. opening up your whole financial life
0: well and then it's also the people that you know these are the conversations that i have well i don't have anything for anybody to go after so let them have it but you may not have something right. now right but that judgment's going right. to follow you
1: around and you may have something
0: down now. the end of the road oh
3: yeah, it's, it's going to make
1: your life very difficult Yes, right. and
3: people do not understand that life happens and right. i mm-hmm. always use my own example when we moved to united states 10 years ago my husband uh had a conversation with the company that was organizing his transfer to United States. And he said, okay, I need a big life insurance policy because I'm a diabetic and my life is living her life in Brazil and we are moving to America. If something happens to me, I want to make sure that they have, she has, you know, money. So they gave him 10 times his salary. That was amazing. Six years later, he decided to change company. What was the last thing that he asked about? Life insurance. So new company He's making more money, but they just allow him to have one time and a half his salary. Let's buy insurance on the market for Gustavo. And now super expensive because he's six years older. He's diabetic type one. He now has thyroid problems and yada, yada, yada. So Mm -hmm. life happened, you know, you and I tell people, oh, I have insurance through work. Do you pretend to work until you die? Mm-hmm.
2: I don't. Right. You know. Right. What does so, that mean,
1: right? So what Tom, does that mean? Yes.
2: Real quick, since your l- listeners are going to be listening to you uh, tonight, what do you recommend to your to the listeners if they're sitting and listening to you and saying, wow, what do we need to do? How can they get in touch with you? Sure.
1: Well, I, very easily they can go to, to my website, friscofinancialgroup.com, and all of my contact information is on there uh, to reach out to me. That's going to really be the easiest way. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Thomas Zanovich, you can pull me up there on LinkedIn. All my contact information is there also.
3: Yeah. And we are going to also ask, uh, add his information on our Facebook page, right, mm-hmm. Courtney? You got, got it on our new website coming up.
1: Yes.
2: yes. So yes. exciting. Yes. I'm so excited. Tom, thank you so much. Yeah.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: Tom, you're, you've are you been so delightful. I, I, if you ever hire a V, be sure and tell her <laughs> to be just like you. <laughs> Oh, God. Courtney, that
0: sounds good. Yes. If you're just tuning in, we just wrapped up a amazing guest today, Tom Zanovich. So we need to talk about this. We need to talk about all the things money because money. I love money. I need I need some insight. And it goes back to, again, this whole life insurance thing. It bothers me with my husband don't, I'm not going to even, there. I'm going
3: to, I'm going to, and you know that I love my clients, but I'm going to send him to Tom because I need
0: maybe that's, yeah. Didn't we try somebody else too? I yeah. Feel like and it.
3: he hated Remember?
0: Remember <laughs> yes.
3: he loves me, but oh, he don't want to talk about these shirts. So but what is the problem? He just,
0: he has it through work and he feels like that's sufficient. And he, he dips, he does the tobacco mm-hmm. and, um, he's on high blood pressure medicine because <laughs> both of his biological parents have passed due to,
3: Health issues. I mean, he is a walking time
0: bomb. Yeah,
3: look at Tom's face. I think Tom (laughs) Tom
0: has a
2: new client, right? (laughs) Well, and the thing is, it's you can't. It's yours. You can take it because at the end of the day, I'm worried
3: about her. So you know. know,
1: again, I think if he saw what it actually meant, like if through the living balance sheet, and he saw, okay, here's your guy's standard of living right now, and here's what it is with what he has to work.
0: We've tried. We tried. Yeah. So anyways, if you're out there and you've got somebody like my husband, who's a stubborn little. Sounds like my husband. Yeah. Well, and I think it's just important to have those tough conversations. Get your what now book out. Go over your financials. And if it's beneficial to have maybe an open conversation, take it to a a professional that can actually sit down and run all the numbers and give you the hard, cold truth and facts about what life would look like without you in it anymore. And, and please, what your family and your children. A professional,
3: not a multi-level market yes. company, yes. not yes. the 800 no. number. No. Yes, no. Find
0: a professional,
3: check their credentials, make sure that they have the license, that they have at least the Series six sixty three. that they can help you, you know, because it's a nightmare out there.
2: And you can find Visa information on our Facebook page also. You're listening to Alexandra Friends 660 The Answer. Next week is a spring break.
3: We're yes. gone. We're you're gone. On, you're on We're your own. You're going to be gone. So you're I'm on, on my your own,
2: own. But our our very own Roberto Perez with we'll Miller Title will okay. be uh, sitting at your desk, Courtney. And he is going to be running the show. But we also have amazing guests coming next yes, week. We, we have. have Buckner Home, uh, Children's Home for Foster and Adoption, which is going to be sort of our theme for the next two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd, love, uh, I'd love to know that. We have places for our children to go to. And now we have families that are willing, if they cannot adopt, at least foster. And then we have step-parents just like Courtney is. Mm-hmm. So I think they- it's going to be an exciting month. Uh, March of uh, March is sort of a children's month because it's also considered March, March of Dimes, basketball. It's my birthday. Is- Oh wow! March March nineteenth, 19th. March nineteenth. So, oh, we celebrate. Uh, oh, she's right now. Yes, <laughs> yes, I won't yes, remember also, that one what twice. Bad we're we're going to be celebrating. Yeah, Saint we are going to celebrate
3: my my birthday yes. because uh, my birthday is on Friday and the show is on Saturday. So wow! You're so we have have, a big yes, party. we'll have yes, and, and
2: everybody wears greens for for you. Well, Tom, thank you so much for being here tonight. We really appreciate your uh, taking your opportunity from your very busy appointments to come and sit with us tonight thank you Courtney, thank you, you want to take us out for the evening and I'll tell us take what we're going to be
0: doing. yes next week listen up buckner group right buckner the organization buckner that's an buckner important home. conversation very, that very i'm excited important. to to have on our show um check out our podcast on our facebook page alexander and friends 660 you can message us there like and share our page. Let's get the word out so more people can listen. If you're interested in advertising on our show, we can definitely send you some information on that. And also, if you'd like to shoot us an email, Friends
2: 660 at gmail.com. So we want to thank uh, our producer, Michael Clark, because he is amazing. And uh, we're doing a better job because of him. Thank you so much for listening to Alexander and Friends 660 on a Saturday night at 10 p.m. And this is a show sponsored by Miller title, Roberto Perez, Texas.
0: You've been listening to Alexandra and Friends, the podcast. Reach out to us on Facebook at Alexandra and Friends or write us an email, Alexandraandfriends660 at gmail.com. Be sure to mark us as one of your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode.